Hello, and welcome back to the Rosedale Podcast Network. I'm glad you're joining us. My name is Jeremy Miller. I serve as president here of Rosedale Bible College. And uh, today, I have on the podcast uh, a special guest, uh, Caleb Reed. And Caleb, uh, why don't you tell us who you are and what you're about right now? Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks, Jeremy, for having me here today. And um, yeah, I'm a, a local Plain City boy. Uh, grew up here in Central Ohio. My wife and I have been married for 16 years. Um, Stephanie, she grew up here as well. We've got two kids, Madison 12, Carter 8. And um, it's a great, great family. Just love spending time together, hanging out with each other. And just recently moved back uh, to the area after spending 13 and a half years in Phoenix, Arizona, working with Aimright Ministries, um, now working for CMC as the church planning catalyst, um, really coming alongside of churches and individuals and empowering them to go out to their communities, their cities and plant churches. Yeah. So, uh, Caleb, I'm guessing that uh, probably the title of our podcast, which will be something along the lines of church planting, a conversation on church planting will uh, pique the interest of of some people uh, related to that. But, you know, I think uh, as people think about church planting, instinctively, I think there are a fair number of people for whom that doesn't resonate. That sounds like something that sort of these entrepreneurial pastor types go do that takes a ton of work, a ton of time, a ton of money. And like, it's not for sort of the normal person. And so I'm hoping that as people listen today, uh, they'll get a heart for uh, understand what your heart is and what, what we are sensing, you know, Rosedale Bible College is part of CMC, a, a network of churches uh, in the Anabaptist evangelical tradition uh, who's really felt a, a calling um, to plant more churches and to spread the gospel here in the States uh, among a whole variety of people. And so that's why you were hired. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm, maybe it would be good to start by just asking the question, why is church planting the focus of CMC? Why is it important? Uh, why, why on earth would we hire a full-time person to try to catalyze that movement? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, you know, as I think about that question and, and kind of the history of the conference, the history of CMC, um, when I think about who we are, I think at the core of what, what we represent as a conference is truly living missionally. Um, you can look back through the history of our conference and see the focus of missions. Um, I was doing some reading earlier and back in the early 1900s, um, we started an orphanage in Grantsville, Maryland, um, and then had a, a church plant in Flint, Michigan, which I'll be there this weekend talking about church planting. Um, but churches were planted and you can look through the history of our conference again and see it's there. Yeah. Um, maybe not as, as, uh, prevalent in these past few years as it has been in the the early years, but it's definitely there. Um, I mean, at the, at the core of that too is, is obviously building the kingdom, um, building the kingdom of God, reaching people, um, to, to share the gospel with and, and disciple. Um, I think that's what, uh, 
our focus is. Um, not that that can't be done in a local church and not yeah. that that can't be done in that context, but there's something, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's something about new, about some, this excitement around something new that draws people in that aren't connected to a local church. Yeah, so along those lines, kind of referencing the history of our movement, you know, a lot of our churches were born out of Amish churches, people that were uh, Amish mm-hmm. by culture and um, sort of uh, spiritual makeup who felt compelled to begin to form different types of communities precisely so they could reach the broader culture more effectively. But the deal is that most of those churches began as rural churches. Do you see the church planting uh, movement within CMC uh, staying largely rural, or do you see that movement drifting into urban areas more? Yeah, that's, um, I think about that a lot. Um, especially coming out of my context in the last uh, 13 years here of living in an urban community, living in an inner city, working with with people in those communities. My heart is definitely for those places. Um, growing up, Plain City, rural, you know, cowboy boots, belt buckle, the whole nine yards, that, that was me. Yeah. Um, the city changed me in a way that I began to appreciate the diversity I began to appreciate and and really see how can we come alongside of our neighbors who look different, who live different, and and live life, but share the gospel through through those interactions. So I say all that to say, I think it's going to be a hard shift, maybe for us to to think more urban, um, and even in some of the conversations I've had with some of our our churches and leaders, they've recognized that they aren't ready to take that step of planning a church in an urban community, but they are willing to go to a more rural, maybe suburban community um, and, and plant churches in those areas. And so I think because so many of our churches are rooted in rural, small town America, um, that's probably going to be the initial part of our focus. Mm -hmm. But as we young people, Again, I mean, even young people coming through Rose, Rosedale Bible College and and going through some of those experiences as they grow and desire to have a heart for the inner city or those places, will begin tapping the shoulders on on those people to go and and create missional communities or yeah. or, or churches in those those areas. What's really interesting is so at at, at Rosedale Bible College or RBC. Uh, we do see more students coming from suburban and urban areas. And so there's a, there's a broader mix even on campus uh, of students uh, from their, where their backgrounds are. And of course, many of them will spend time in urban areas in uh, continuing their education. Uh, Yeah. So there's really an interesting, I had it written down and um, I came across an article can't remember if I sent this one to you a while back, but um, it was written by a pastor up in uh, Lebanon, Oregon area, and um, it says something about the junk drawer is not a place for the rural church. Um, it's really interesting read, um, but you know, for so many years there's been a push um, for urban, for inner cities. 
data shows you that that's where the majority of people are moving to or leaning, you know, towards those areas. That's where we see culture developed with where we see all these things happen. And in those conversations, I'm afraid maybe some of our larger church organizations, conferences have forgotten about small town uh-huh. America. And, and the reality is, is, and I'll be honest too, I've, I've been there. Yeah. I've been, this is where we've got to be. We, yeah. We've got to focus. But what does that do to the church in Mechanicsburg or Berlin or, you know, Fredericksburg? You know, what does that do to those churches? We, we have to figure out how to live the gospel in those places just as well as we do in places like Columbus or New York City or wherever. Yeah. 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 And so, so I really think having a, a, a well-rounded just view of what, how or where we need to plant churches. And yeah. the reality is, is there's lost people all around us. That's right. How many did I come across today in, in two hours in a coffee shop? You know, mm-hmm. like how many people walked through that door or drove by that didn't need Je- or didn't know Jesus, yeah. but, but need Jesus. So, yeah. Uh, Caleb though, um, I do, I do have a question sparked by your comment, uh, that the city changed you. Namely, you spent 15 years in Phoenix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said that, that the city changed you, you were a rural cowboy, uh, ended up in Phoenix. Uh, you talked about, well, I'd like to hear you reflect on that just a little bit more. Like what were some of the specific ways that you, you f- sensed God's spirit changing you in that time? Yeah. Um, well, I think part of the, part of the change is, is you have to become, uh, hopefully hear this right. Like you have to become where you are. You have to become, you have to begin looking like and dressing like, I guess, you know, these might sound like super simple things, but for me to be, have influence and an impact in an inner city urban community, if I showed up to, to church every day in, in cowboy boots and a big old belt buckle, people had this preconceived idea of who I was, right? Uh especially being in a largely Hispanic community, even though that is welcomed within the Hispanic community, um, there was this preconceived idea of, well, this guy, because he dresses like this, because he looks like this, he kind of fits this mold. Um, and I just think over time, just the influence of, of the community around me changed simply the way I dressed um, and even looked and you know, went from wearing curved kind of, trucker style hats to flat bill hats to now wear my hats backwards and, and you know, just different things like that. And those are all like outward expressions. Um, but it was those kinds of things that I just really, my, my wife and I both, Stephanie and I both felt like we had to become part of the community where we were serving. Yeah. That didn't change our theology. That didn't change you know, our belief system at the core of, of what we believe, um, it maybe changed how we approach things mm-hmm. to a degree, but, but at the core, we didn't change, yeah. but we became, um, as Paul said, all things to all people. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to, th- I was trying to get that out of there. Um, yeah, no, but, but it's really, really kind of, kind of what, how I feel that kind of played out in, in our lives and, yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, What would you say to the person who hears this talk about church planting and is like, man, Caleb, I drive by three churches to get to my church on Sunday morning. (laughs) 
Like, why do we need one more church? Well, my, my first question to them would be, why are you driving by three churches? Uh, you should only be going to that first one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, and again, I'll kind of reference Phoenix, but yeah. you know, on almost every corner in Phoenix, you know, separated by a mile or, or so, there was a CVS or a Walgreens. Hmm. Um, and as you kind of begin thinking about that, those little places were meant to be there within walking distance of people that lived in that community. Yeah. Um, and so something that, that's really close to Steph and I's, my, my heart is we need to be in church and connected to a church that's within a certain radius of where we live, mm-hmm. of where we work, where we buy groceries kind of hard where we live right now uh with the grocery thing but uh there's a grocery store 15 miles each way but um i think my my initial answer and i kind of referenced a little bit ago was new churches something new something fresh generates something new and fresh within the community there's this excitement around it people are People see something new happening and what is going on? What's happening here? Man, how can I get involved? Um, so it, it attracts a new set of people, a church that is established, a church that has been in a community for 10, 15, 20, 30 years does attract people to a degree, but maybe not as many new people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, and I, and I when I think, about these things, I I love the local church. I love the a local established church, and so I never want to diminish what that represents. But sometimes we get stuck in our ways. Sometimes we kind of get not even stagnant, stagnant, but just we get into our rhythms, and and those those don't always welcome people from the outside in. And so, data research will definitely show you that a new church a new church plant will have more growth in the early years than maybe a a church that has been established for several years. Um, That's one thing. um, Again, it kind of goes back to reaching the unreached, unchurched. Um, Typically in a church plant, you're out in the community maybe a little bit more. You're more engaged. You're thinking more outward versus inward. Um, and shepherding the people that are within. And so those are definitely things um, that, that definitely come to mind. And, and again, you can read about throughout those things. There was one more um, was, oh, it was just a thought was, sorry about that, uh, was just a thought was, you know, we continually renew, right? We talk about renewing our minds, renewing our hearts, and that plays into church. So what, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Does that look like yearly renewal meetings? Or does that look like, hey, we're going to make a fresh new expression of this congregation here so we can reach this group of people here? So, like you said, I don't have to drive by three churches necessarily to get to my church, but I can go to one in my community. The people that live in my community, this is where they go to church. This is where life happens. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to hang out on that point just a little bit longer. Uh, when I pastored 
it, when we had people coming to our congregation that drove like 45 minutes to get there, uh, and we had a number, I, I, that didn't make me feel good, actually, or because the the way I understand the local church when I read the New Testament is that these are people whose lives are pretty intertwined. Mm-hmm. And the more that church becomes a destination and not a part of sort of the everyday wiring of our lives, then really the less able we are to actually carry out the New Testament instructions about how we are to be the body of Christ. And so your reflection on like the church being local and connected with a variety of uh, a, a variety of the well or, or of various points of our lives mm-hmm. you know, just school groceries various businesses the more that those things all intersect somehow the more able we are to actually live out the new testament instructions about yeah. how how we live together as the body mm-hmm. And yeah. so then to that point, uh, a variety of small congregations in lots of different places perhaps has a great <laughs> chance of carrying that out really well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll maybe share some of my experiences because we've, we've been in both camps, I guess. We've, we've been in places where we've had to drive, or chose to drive sure. 30, 40 minutes to a church. Right. We've been a part of congregations where it was a multi-site campus and our campus pastor lived 45 minutes away mm-hmm. and commuted, you know, to, to his work and commuted to the church. And, you know, when I think about those things, that person was really out of touch with what was happening in my neighborhood, in my community, where the church was, yep. is in the is in general vicinity of of where we lived, and so it just like you said, it we're called to be together in community, build each other up, and people use this. I've used this many times. Is well, technology these days gives us this opportunity to reach people that are outside of my circle. Right? We we hear that all the time, but that does not replace physical interaction, community, sitting down together, face-to-face, talking to each other, um, and, and interacting with each other in that way. And so, um, yeah, that's, I mean, I, right now, we, we live 30 seconds away from a church. <laughs> we haven't committed to going to church there yet. But when I think about what God's called us to be a part of potentially I'm, I'm I have a struggle because I'm going to sure. drive by that church every Sunday morning right if we take take a step in, into what God's calling us to do right and th- this is acknowledging <laughs> there are tons of factors yeah. I mean, there's just lots of things that play into this uh, but I, I have I think that's one of the things that I see as a, as a an incredible reason to plant churches is that uh, to have local reflection or local expressions mm-hmm. that reflect uh, God's body in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of communities, it yeah. makes, makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Because, because the people that live in those communities, they live in there, they live there for a reason, right? So, so somebody will use Plain City for the, an example. Yeah. Somebody who lives in Plain City lives there for a reason. Yeah. They don't just, you don't just choose Plain City to choose Plain City. But if you're living there, you're working there, your kids are playing sports in that community and in, in that town, you've bought into it. Right. So why not have the body of Christ there represented yeah. to, to impact that community? So Caleb, do you think uh, we've complicated or overcomplicated this conversation on church planting somehow because people hear that it's like and if you're like i said earlier unless you're like a, an entrepreneurial pastor the idea of a new church plant probably gives a fair number of people ulcers <laughs> my wife may be one of those people <laughs> okay <laughs> So, so how have we overcomplicated this, or how do we how do we get past the, those kinds of things? Yeah, yeah, um, man i I think the last if you look back over the last twenty to thirty years of of church planting and and the methods and the systems that have been put in place, and this is how you do it. Um, if I was just, I'll just answer that honestly. Um, okay, off of. <laughs> and and if you're listening to this, I'm just being honest. Like, I think we have, I, I think we've overcomplicated it and made it into something bigger than it needs to be. Um, but at the end of the day, the system you need to have systems. Uh -huh. You need to have organization. Um, you need to have a game plan. You need to have a. Uh, I love strategic planning. Mm -hmm. Um. I often tell people don't look at my office because you'll think opposite. You'll th think the exact opposite of me, but I love to strategically think through things and, and you need to have those things in place. But at the end of the day, people, the community around us, they're looking for relationship. They're looking for people to come and connect with them. And that's honestly where church planning starts is is going into a community, into a neighborhood, into a city, finding where people are located, where people hang out, where people kind of come together and begin going to those places to connect with people and interact with people. And so have we have we made it overcomplicated? I think we have. But that's not to say that all that, that has been done in the past or that anybody's ideas on what they want to do or what they want to accomplish are wrong. Yeah. But... Um, I think we can simply say we can just, anybody can start building relationships with people. Yeah. Introvert, extrovert, different personality types. Yeah. And, and begin to study scripture together. Uh, one of the things that I keep thinking about is ha have we discipled well enough that, uh, there are enough people in our congregations that can help lead people through the scriptures mm. to know God more deeply. It's a great, uh, it's funny you say that because I sat with a pastor this week, um, not within CMC conference. He said he studies 
the scripture for five to six hours a day. Wow. That's, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. And he then in turn takes what he's studied and what he's learned. And, and he adds things to that, that studying as well. But he said his sermons are upwards of an hour on the weekends, an hour long. Um, but he said it's given him such a great understanding of what scripture truly says mm -hmm. and what scripture truly is about. And he said, there's a hunger in his church yeah. for that. Yeah. People want that. Yeah. Um, people, the, the families in this church, the, the couples, the young families with kids, um, they want their kids to sit in yeah. on those kind of things. And, and so I, I do think overall, Again, I'll be honest. I, th yeah. I think we've gotten away from yeah. going into scripture yeah. and making that the main thing. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I should tell you a funny story. At least it was funny to me. It was interesting. Uh, I, I preached at a little country church a while back, and I took some RBC students with me. So we went down to this, this little country church and sat in on their service and... Uh, they had Sunday school first, and you know they it, it was it was rural. It was um, really basic. Uh, the building was not new, um, but as the morning went on, that place filled up and was absolutely brimming with people, young people, kids. I mean, just full. And there was there was nothing special about the service. In fact, in Sunday school. Uh, the teacher was, I think he was uh, some, I, I don't know, he was a lay leader, and he was working through the book of First Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to laugh. I'm like, when's the last time that for a Sunday school that a lot of people were attending, they were just working through the book of First Chronicles? Yeah. I don't know. And then, you know, so there was nothing special about the music, but there was a hunger for two things. One is the teaching of the scripture. It was very apparent that that was really important. And then the, and the church was interested in obeying the scriptures, and there was a hunger to connect in an authentic way in the service. So like their sharing time, to me, they had, they had this time where they, they all shared needs of the church. It was powerful. People were like, they were saying real things. And this was, again, a full church. Yeah. And it struck me, and it struck our students, the students I took with me. I said, what, what struck you about that service? And they said, those people were there to worship, and, and the scripture was obviously important to them, and they were just really real with each other. And this little country church out in the middle of, of nowhere was mm. booming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and with none of the sort of, like, things from the nineties and early two thousands <laughs> that you would have said needed to have happened for that church to grow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think th those things I've been processing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, again, Stephanie and I have been a part of, of a variety of different churches where, you know, my, my dad went to one of them with us one time and, and we left there and he, he said, did you feel that during the service? Mm. I said, I said, feel what? He said, the drums. 
I could feel them beating in my chest. <laughs> you know, it was, it, it was, you know, again, we, we were at the part of this church for a couple of years and, and it was a great experience. We yeah. learned yeah. a lot. We sat in on, on messages that truly influenced our lives. And yeah. so I don't want to discredit any sure, of that. Sure. But I think, again, I talked with somebody uh, here recently and, and I, we're seeing a shift yeah. and, and a shift away from attractional things. Mm-hmm. Um, people are tired of being entertained. Yeah. Some people, um, and they just want the real authentic yeah. scripture. They want real authentic teaching. And it was interesting. So with our time in, in Phoenix and, and working with inner city youth, when we would ask them what they wanted to learn or, Hey, we're doing Bible study. What do we, you know, what book should we study? Or, Hey, we've got this DVD series. They wanted none of that. They wanted to know that I or, or one of our other leaders sat down, went to scripture, pulled out, you know, our interpretation of it. But they wanted to know that that's what we did. They didn't want to do a DVD series. Yep. They didn't want to watch YouTube videos. They didn't want anything. They wanted yes. real, authentic <laughs> stuff. And that that goes back to Jeremy. I used to preach for forty five minutes on a Friday night. To inner city youth. And I'm like, what was I thinking? What was, but they were engaged. Yeah. Now the reality is with the, the kids today, there's enough. Our brains have been programmed. <laughs> I don't want this to get too crazy, but, but we've been programmed to just have just constant stimulation. Yeah. And so to the reality of me preaching to youth for 45 minutes on a Friday night, these years, these past few years, wasn't going to happen. Yeah. We had to cut it back 10, 15 minutes or so max, but, but it's, there's, there's this shift again that that we're seeing. And I definitely take all that into consideration when I talk to people that want to plant churches and, and what that looks like for the future. I see that with our, our students at Rosedale Bible college, Mm -hmm. like they are hungry to, to learn and be taught. They, they care so much less about being entertained. Yeah. It's, it's actually really refreshing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so. I, I, it is. It's, I'm excited to see where all that goes in yeah. the future here. So, Caleb, drawn us back here yet. Um, uh, how to kind of thinking big picture here. Obviously, when we're talking church planting, at the end of the day, we have to have people that are willing interested and called to plant churches, how do you generate that or facilitate that? Or how how do you think about doing those things, generating, Mm. facilitating the raising up of these people who will plant churches? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably the hardest question you sent me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just one, one thing I thought about with that is... Is it's really, it again? It it takes a special person, I believe, to plant a church and to to feel that burning desire. Now, there's those people are out there. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do, and and you even hear people, they're like on three year, you know, cycles. I want to I want to plant a church in three years from now. I'm going to plant another one, and I'm just going to go do it. And and you can find videos and podcasts with those people all day long. I think part of my approach is 
going to be sitting with people mm-hmm. and listening to their stories. Um, now, this is this is a longer, drawn-out process than some people maybe would want. But I think if I, me, whoever it is, sitting with people and you hear their passions, you hear what burdens them in their community, on their college campus, wherever it is, you, you hear those things, you begin to talk with them and help them to do, help them to discover how to change those things, how to, how to move forward and, and make a difference in their community with the things that burden them. Um, and you help somebody who maybe never thought they could plant a church, never thought they had a desire, but especially again, we'll go back to this Gen Z coming up or that's here. <laughs> Gen Z is here. They're not, yeah. they're, they're present. They want to be a part of change. We all want to be a part of change, but this generation seems to exhibit that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, again, it goes back to sitting with people, listening to them, and helping them to develop what their their purpose is. Um, I talked with somebody recently. They don't know what their purpose is. Mm. They don't know what their purpose in life is. Mm. But as you begin talking with those people, you hear it. Yeah. And we have to be willing to listen. Yeah. I was in a two-hour meeting at a coffee shop today, and I talked for five minutes. The other guy talked. <laughs> I know what he thinks. Uh-huh. I know what drives him. I know what he's passionate about. And, and, and that's what it takes. It mm-hmm. takes us being willing to say, tell me your story. Yeah. I, I, I think that's one way. Yeah. Um, but I think when I think of church planning... And we want things to be sustainable. Yeah. And and I'm a I'm an ideas guy. My wife, if she was here, she would agree with this. She gets somewhat annoyed by all my ideas and, and I'll I'll say, hey, hey, I had this idea. We should do this. We should do this. We should do that. Those are great, but ninety percent of my ideas are still out there floating around. And so how do we create something sustainable? How do we grow something? It takes time. And and yes, we need those people that are entrepreneurial, that are out there moving quickly and have this burning desire. But I think there's a group of people sitting in our churches that have been overlooked and mm-hmm. they don't think they are qualified. Yeah. Well, if you go into scripture and and you read the Great Commission, we're we're called to go make disciples. Yeah. Part of that is planning new churches. Yeah. I think about uh, the group of people that was part of the congregation that our family's part of. Here about, I don't know if it was seven, eight years ago, six, seven, eight years ago, you know, they were all, many of these young people were going to college half hour away at Ohio State University. And so, you know, and they were, they had gotten apartments at a a place that was lower income or whatever. <laughs> and uh, they thought, well, why don't we just start a congregation, start meeting as a church in this area? We're all here. We're all going to school here. And then we drive a half hour out in the country to go to church at, mm-hmm. at this church that I'm a part of. <laughs> so they just started doing 
started getting together and started a congregation there in Columbus. And, you know, I know the story is a bit more complicated than that, and there are other other factors, but I just, I, I look at them and what they've done, and I think that's that's not a complicated way of going about it. And uh, they've built a wonderful little congregation there. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely right. And, um, oh, I was going to say there's, it kind of goes back to the, have we overcomplicated the the discussion and the, and the, and those kind of things. But, um, you know, it's part of it goes to is, is define, define church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a whole there's other. Another con- con- there's another con- <laughs> conversation for you. Yeah, but, but that's been one of my co- my questions coming right. in right. To, to this new job is ask my bosses or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, um, what do we define as church? Yep. And if you look at scripture, it's not a building. It's not any of those things. But but you know, I, I look at groups like that, and and again, it goes back to what God has called you to. And, and, and what I've told a lot of people is they say, well, well, how's, what's CMC's church planning model and and how are you going to do it? And what's it going to look like? And, and at the end of the day, it's going to look like whatever God is calling people to do. So if God's calling people to start a, a small community in Mm -hmm. downtown Columbus, let's go. Um, If God's calling you to, (laughs) to, to have a congregation of thousand people yep let's go you know let's let's and, do it and you cmc know. has several people out in 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 different cities who mm-hmm. have been called there and they're living there by themselves with their families and and uh reaching their communities and it's hard work mm-hmm. but that's what they sense god's calling them to so i know that that god leads us in a whole variety of ways yeah um, but I think to your point about the fact that there are people in our congregations who are overlooked, who, who could mm-hmm. be part of an effective new congregation start. Yeah. I, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's to, to start something new. It takes much more than just somebody who can lead the charge. You yeah. need that person. Um, but... At the end of the day, I'm not the best administrative person. That's mm-hmm. that's not even actually it pops up on my giftings. I've often wondered why. I just run away from it. <laughs> um, but we need we need a well balanced team. Yeah. And so again, it kind of goes back to people saying, "Well, I don't think I'm qualified to do this." Well, the reality is is you're gifted in a way that I, you're needed. Yeah. You know, if it's if it's organizing. Yes, we need somebody to help organize. If yeah. it's communication, if it's writing, whatever, like we need those people to be a part of the team to help help yeah. these things happen. Well, Caleb, I know we could talk about this for a long time, and there are a lot of trails that I think <laughs> would be really helpful and um, fun to, to wander down. But I think that uh, concludes our conversation for today. But thanks so much for being part of this and sharing yourself and your thoughts. And we wish you God's blessing in your work. Yeah. Thank you. Great to be a part of the podcast. All right. Have a good one.